Welcome to the Rafiki Foundation Podcast. Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and I'm your host. And on this podcast, we talk about all things classical and Christian and missional and African. On the Rafiki Foundation podcast, we're discussing the question, how in the world does classical Christian education work in an African context? If you recall, Rafiki works in 10 countries in Africa. And today, I am in one of our Rafiki countries. I'm in Uganda. Today, is uh, we're in July of 2023, and I'm here actually able to talk to two of our missionaries who are serving here at our Rafiki village in Uganda. Uh, here we have a, a children's home, a pre-K through 12, actually 13 now, right? 13. Uh, school, that's classical Christian, and a teacher training college. We also have an outreach to widows program, and we work with the Church of Uganda in uh, Uganda, which is an Anglican denomination. So I thought today we'd take a few minutes just to chat with some of our missionaries to see how the program is really working in Africa from their perspective and give you some insight on what it's like to be a missionary, what it's like to leave everything you know and maybe children and work and move to a new country. And perhaps some of you just might sense the call as well. So, David and Michelle Graves, welcome to the Rafiki Foundation podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's great having you guys here. And I think, uh, let's see, um, you both serve at the Rafiki Village in Uganda. And David, what job do you do? I'm a village administrator, country representative, which really amounts to doing the jobs no one else wants to do. <laughs> Good start, David. And, and, and I'm, gonna, now, I'm sure you can guess David and Michelle. Uh, it's the David and Michelle Graves, and uh, they're married. And so, Michelle, what do you do? I, uh, I serve as the child care administrator and the rice dean for the teacher's college here. So you both wear many hats. Mm -hmm. You have a full life here. We do. Well, all right. So you're at the Rafiki Village in Uganda. Uh, tell everybody kind of what it looks like. It's beautiful. Truth, beauty, goodness. That's what it's supposed to be in classical education. And this is a, it's a beautiful village. It's about 50 acres. Mm -hmm. It's Uganda is green. Mm -hmm. It rains a lot, but not all day. Mm -hmm. The climate uh, for a person who grew up in Houston, Texas, this climate is, is about as close to perfect as you can get. Mm -hmm. It's never too hot. Mm -hmm. It's never too cold. Our windows are open all the time. We haven't had an air conditioner in mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. So so that's great. And it's, it's just a wonderful environment. It's a beautifully built village. It's beautifully maintained. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's a great place to work. Mm -hmm. How about you, Michelle? How would you describe it here? Uh, for a long time, I wanted to live in the country. I grew up in the suburbs, and, and we married in the suburbs, and it looks like that we that was where we were going to stay. Mm -hmm. But then I read to my children the um, Little House on the Prairie books all the way through, mm -hmm. and I knew that God was calling me at that time to go and live with the in, in the country with my children and to homeschool them and to raise them out there. I presented this calling to my husband, and he did not feel the same calling, <laughs> but he did promise me at that time that when our children were grown, because we they grew up right next to an excellent classical Christian school where we both taught, mm -hmm. um, at the right time, he would go wherever I chose to go when the children were grown. 
Uh, so I I was picturing somewhere in the country raising animals uh, <laughs> close to nature, and here we are in Uganda. One of the first things that I had to do uh, in my childcare role was make decisions about the castration of our goats that we keep here. And so <laughs> you're in the country. They, I was in congratulations. This, you know, this was hey, God. And you've got monkeys. About. You've got monkeys in the little uh, jungle nearby here. Lots of wildlife. Lots of wildlife. Close to nature. Lots of birds. Windows open. Yeah. Um, sounds you know, of creation all around us. So I got, it wasn't exactly what I was picturing when I was reading the Little House on the Prairie books, <laughs> no. but I think God fulfilled that desire uh, eventually. Yeah, you're not in a prairie. You're not, not in a prairie. prairie. You're surrounded by lots of people, but yes. the village itself right. feels very uh, peaceful, secluded, it's mm -hmm. beautiful, green, mm -hmm. and it's got that serene feeling to it. Mm -hmm. We walk to and from work, Mm -hmm. Our offices, we live here on the beautiful grounds, and uh, I love feeling the breezes and hearing the birds and all of that. I do too. I love it in the, the African setup in our Rafiki villages. Almost all of them, you can keep the windows open. Mm -hmm. you can, you're, you're, you're just in the middle. You're not all hermetically sealed. Yes, right. You know, when you grow up in uh, the southern part of the United States where you're air-conditioned all the time, you're hermetically sealed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and all you hear is the humming of the AC. Whereas in Africa, your windows are open, you're hearing the birds and everything. I, I do love that. We do occasionally hear the loudspeakers of loud music, which don't <laughs> blend well with the birds, but we've learned to live with it's it. It's either so. a rollicking praise or it's the Muslim call mm -hmm. to prayer. Yeah. So, all right. Well, look, let, let's give uh, the listeners a little bit of uh, context. How did you guys end up here? Tell them the story. Now, do I, do I want to separate the two of you and see, see if I hear the same story? It'll be pretty uh, much the same. <laughs> we it's, it's about four years, almost about four years ago now. Um, we we both t taught it at two. We were at two different classical Christian schools, and uh, um, young men don't make your wife promises because she will remember twenty five years later. <laughs> So I, I thought she was going to forget. I, in fact, had prom promised her, you know, at this this point, we're reaching that point, the children are lost out. And she came to me one night and said, I've, I've been on the web, and there's a, this wonderful job in Africa as the dean of a classical Christian teacher's college. Do you mind if I call and talk about it? I said, no, sure, go ahead. Do they have fast internet? That was my only question. <laughs> um, so she called. She talked to Karen Elliott, who's sitting across from us. For a long time, and I also had a home-based business. I was in there just working, calm, and she. You were, you were thinking that you would just tag along. I was going to tag along and do, do my business. business. That's okay. correct. Okay. So okay. she came in. She came in with a funny look on her face, and I said, "What?" And she said, "Well, she said it's not exactly a job." <laughs> and I said, "Well, what does that mean?" And she said. It's a missionary opportunity. And I said, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I, I really never thought I never thought I was going to be a missionary. Uh, and she said, well, it means you have to raise your own funds. Um, and then there was this long pause, and she kept looking at me, and I said, what? She said, well, Karen wants you too. <laughs> Is that what she said exactly? Pretty like close, that. yeah. That's funny. So, but and the funny thing, and I'm. This was in January, I think, and two months later, 
we were at the Rafiki Home Office mm. being trained mm. and having Karen Elliott and Rosemary Jensen planning our next the next five years of our lives for us. And then two months after that, we were in Kenya. Um, was it that fast? It was fast. Wow. Yeah. For a short, short, short term. Short term. For a short term, they wanted to make sure we knew what we're doing. And really, and I, I have to say on the drive to Florida, that was probably not the best company in the car. I'm thinking, this is pretty stupid. But, you know, it's really, it, you know, God calls you in funny ways. He has a good sense of humor. And I think when we left Florida, we were both pretty sure we wanted to come out long term. And it's it's a wonderful mission. I mean, you know, it's combines classical education we have children who really need need what we've got to offer them and uh, it's been is that kind of what inspires you to do this being able to deliver the educational model to children in need would you say or is there something else that's really driving you you know i really think when we come down to it that I mean, that's, it's a big part of it. It's what we have to offer. I think we know, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself an expert, but I've been involved in it for a long time. Michelle mm-hmm. is an expert. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, I mean, we, we, so we have something to offer, but, um, you know, it's, I think really what it's come down to is God wants us here. Mm-hmm. And what Christian classical education does is it provides these children and our teachers a really strong foundation in the faith we're discipling people they're learning you know they're learning the truths of the christian faith because we have this wonderful bible study we all study the bible every day and we really do it and you know there's a lot of satisfaction there and we get a lot back we have wonderful people who've been working here for years and we've learned we've we've learned more from them probably than we've it's when you teach you always learn more than you teach i think Mm -hmm. and they laugh at us occasionally because we have done a few pretty stupid things here (laughs) (laughs) that's that's part of our calling yeah but for me uh when i think about i came late to classical christian education Mm -hmm. I, i grew up going to public school and i didn't um sort of get interested in in the classics and the ancient world until college and for me, it was it was like a revelation and a way of connecting my faith with other cultures of the ancient world and all this beautiful literature and art that I loved. David grew up in a classical Christian school. And so for him, you know, that's just the normal way of education. So I think for me, I'm, I more had the zeal of a convert. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that our children uh, got to grow up reading mm-hmm. those wonderful books. And so I did want to bring that uh, here because in our in our in our Houston where we grew up, you have so many choices. You have mm-hmm. you have a, a good number of classical Christian schools that you could choose from, and here you, you just don't have that opportunity. This is it. So I wanted to bring it. Yeah, yeah. Bring something that you love and you know you've benefited from mm-hmm. to others who don't have that opportunity at all. Right. Yeah, I get that. I think that's 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 uh, sort of my passion as well to provide this, and it does, as you said, it makes dis- makes disciples. Now, you all are from Houston, Texas, originally, and you were uh, you were at what school, Michelle? Uh, Trinity Classical School, mm-hmm. and that's a is that a hybrid? Hybrid, yeah, university model, um, ACCS accredited mm-hmm. school, uh, and it was fairly young, about ten years. Mm-hmm. It's probably. 
13 years mm -hmm. old now. And our son, our youngest son, uh, was the right age to be able to finish his education there. So he went there from sixth grade through 12th grade. And that was another kind of dream come true for me because yeah. the university model means half homeschool right. and half on-campus school. So I got to homeschool him some, although by the time he was there, he was pretty independent mm -hmm. and was, was able to teach himself. So. But I thought it was it was a really good experience for me as a teacher to teach at a school like that because yeah. you have time uh, to sort of recover and mm -hmm. be creative about what you're going to do the next day. And I think it's good for students, too, because they get to learn how to learn independently, mm -hmm. even while they're in middle school and high school. And it's a good model. It is kind of a you can get the best of both worlds mm -hmm. if you can do that. So you taught there for 10 years. You had a good background in classical yes. Christian education. And then I taught at the school uh, where our other children went and mm -hmm. where I met my husband mm -hmm. before that. And you were at? St. Thomas Episcopal School. And it was it's kind of a, I actually went to school there. I won't tell you how long ago. But they, it was really before. Did they have stone tablets back then? No, no. We were using wax. those wax ones <laughs> like the Romans. Tablets. Yes, okay. yes. So a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, uh, but it was, they were trying to do what classical Christian schools are doing mm -hmm. back in the 60s. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of a prototype um, before we were really saying classical Christian right. education. But, uh, yeah, and they, they've tried to keep doing that. So one of the advantages, it's a long time and I've been around it um, for a long time, is you can you can see the the wonderful things when you're starting up, but you see the challenges that classical education faces as it it ages the pressures to not to kind of get away from the model or to conform so uh, uh, and I, I think as you get older you you have to learn how to deal with those so, mm -hmm. yeah. all right so, and you taught there for how long I taught there for 25 years yeah. okay um, yeah wow. So you, you both have extensive experience in the model, which is so helpful, you know, for Rafiki. I'm sure you all know this. We've we kind of adopted the classical Christian model, or at least said it's what we wanted to do around 2001, 2002. And, but we really didn't have the manpower, the people who knew it well, until maybe 2009. And we brought in some staff that had been involved in it. And then, you know, we were writing our own curriculum, trying to manage our schools that way, bringing in all the materials we could find to, to teach classically, to learn how to teach classically from where the, all the quarters. But what we have really lacked in Rafiki is the people, people, people like you who have had years of experience who can bring that to bear so that we can take our Rafiki schools to the next level. And so that's why it's just really a gift that God has brought you. Well, let, let me tell you, um, even if people didn't have 25 years or more experience in classical Christian education, what this curriculum has done for these students is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And we could see it the first day we were here. I mean, you talk to the students. They talk to you. You can have a conversation with them. They're not perfect. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, this education system, you can see it's going to make a huge difference here mm -hmm. because these are the best educated children I've met mm -hmm. met here. Mm -hmm. And they're doing well. Mm -hmm. They're doing well in college. Our ones in college are doing great. 
It's good. And we, we have a school that does well on these. Africa has critical national exams mm -hmm. you have to take. It, and your future depends on how well you do on these national exams. Mm -hmm. Our school of, of orphans mm -hmm. and some day students, not picked from the wealthy things, the people mm -hmm. God sent us, they were 42nd in the country last year on the national exams mm -hmm. out of almost 2,000 schools. And that's because of the education they've gotten. Mm -hmm. That's remarkable. Yeah, it really is uh, encouraging to hear that. And our, our, a lot of our, all of our schools do well on the national exams. And we try not to teach to the test. Mm -hmm. We teach the Rafiki classical Christian curriculum. And the children still do well on the national exams. And this school in particular has done excellently. And it's really helped our reputation overall in the country, helping us do more things. Which brings me to the teacher training college. So, yeah. Michelle, you know, you 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 wanted to go out and be the dean of a teacher's college. Mm -hmm. So, tell me what's been going on with that, and what do you see? What do you see as the potential for this? Uh, so, Rafiki has developed a teacher training curriculum that is specifically targeted towards teaching the school curriculum that the children have, mm -hmm. but. Anybody who knows anything about classical Christian education knows that uh, it's to develop the whole person mm -hmm. and it works for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they will be excellent teachers of the Rafiki curriculum, but they would be excellent teachers in any school that they go to. And so we're trying to develop them as, as, as human beings mm -hmm. to their full potential under God. Um, and so that's what we get to do uh, in the teacher's college. We also get to start with a Bible study every day. And we have the luxury of a full hour mm -hmm. uh, with those students. So oftentimes they come, uh, the students who want to become teachers come to us. They haven't really read very many books because they've had, they have not themselves had a classical Christian education. Mm -hmm. They've had a kind of education where you um, memorize a lot of things that that are written on the board and you give them back pretty much as as they were given to you not a lot of critical thinking practice or discussion practice and so we uh, we have the luxury of doing that mm -hmm. starting with a Bible study every day mm -hmm. so we're reading you know book by book through the Bible for many of them it's the first time of systematic study in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we also are encouraging these teachers in training to uh, argue, mm -hmm. discuss, and mm -hmm. disagree with each other, and <laughs> really, you know, sharpen uh, sharpen their minds with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and that's so that involves looking at each other when you're speaking mm -hmm. and speaking with respect, but learning that it's okay to disagree with each other. It's okay to disagree with me. Mm -hmm. This is not me preaching, not me lecturing, mm -hmm. um, but it's them bringing what the Holy Spirit has revealed to them through the Bible study and learning how to articulate it. We look up, we, we define a lot of words mm -hmm. as they come up uh, in the notes and in, in the scriptures. That's what we start out first. Uh, we get practice reading aloud. Uh, for most of these students, English is not their first language. Their English is very good, but but it really uh, grows in the three years that they spend with us mm -hmm. uh, at the teacher's college. So that's a lot of growing that happens in a short time. It really is because, and I think you just alluded to this a minute ago, in the, 
in many of the African countries, it is truly chalk talk, as they right. say, mm -hmm. in teacher world. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the whole trajectory of a student's life is preparing for the national exams, mm -hmm. which is often nine or ten subjects exams taken in each one of those subjects over a three-week time period. Mm -hmm. It's not a two-hour SAT, boom, done. Mm -hmm. And so it, and, the, and the, the stakes are incredibly high. And so that's all these students have had. A lot of them don't have books at home, do they? No. Uh, they, they might not have any books, and they might have a few. So uh, a reading culture is not, is, is not existent. Mm -hmm. uh, a critical thinking culture is not encouraged. It's just take it in, right? And then so, so in so in the teachers' college, you really get a chance to help draw that out. What else do they get in terms of courses? So they, a lot of our students are surprised that they they don't specialize at all. Everyone takes the same set of courses that includes art and music, and they they come thinking that they have no skill and no talent, mm -hmm. and they find that. God made them creative just like he himself is creative. Yeah. And so that is just mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. They never expected that kind of growth and development. And same thing with the music. Mm -hmm. At first, they listen to the classical music and they say, this is boring. But they start to hear it and 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 become they learn how to dance renaissance dances to renaissance yeah. music and feel it, you know, all the way in their whole body. Wow. That's um, so that it's not just us telling them this is the best education, it's them experiencing wow. it for themselves right. and knowing it. And so then they're able to be uh, persuasive and win some mm -hmm. witnesses in the classroom. That's great. They get um, courses in literature and math yes. and science as yes. well. They kind of get a liberal arts refresher, or not a refresher because they've not really had it. Right. Right. It's, yeah, it's it's new for many of them. Maybe the first time they've read a work of literature. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're not so sure that it's important to read fiction. Mm -hmm. um, but we, you know, gently and uh, we we gently try to win them over, mm -hmm. and it doesn't take that long. That's actually, as yeah. we so part of what we do each morning after the Bible study is read aloud, uh -huh. and so we started uh, about eighteen months ago. With the lion and the witch in the wardrobe and 15 minutes a day over five days a week over a year and a half and you can read through all of the Narnia books. Really? So a week ago or so we finished it and I was just lamenting that we didn't have a book party. So I mentioned it today. I said, you know, in the school where I used to teach, when you got to the end of the book, you had a party and, mm -hmm. and everybody dresses up. Teachers dress mm -hmm. up and you do activities related to whatever that is. I said, I think I have somewhere a long white wig that I can find. I'm pretty sure I brought it over here. And they were extremely excited. So I said, okay, we're, we're doing it. We're going to have you should do the that. first Uganda, uh, Rafiki Village, Uganda Teachers College book party. <laughs> and everybody will dress up. Yeah, we need to have a parade. I think you should. I think I'd love to be in your classroom. It would be fun. They get history courses and they mm -hmm. also get... Uh, they get a practicum in, in the Rafiki School, yes. right? Right. So what have you seen... You know, maybe you don't have to give a name, but maybe a student and you go, let me tell you about how this student changed and, and what kind of a teacher they are now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's what's freshest in my mind right now is uh, a two students who were delayed by COVID so that they ended up spending more than three years here. 
and and got set back in a number of ways, but they persevered. And since I've only been here two years, they're the first ones who've gone, I've seen go through mm-hmm. all of the coursework, including in the last quarter of the last year, they the students are supposed to put on a book fair mm-hmm. and uh, present it to the school. Mm-hmm. So they invite the fourth through the eighth graders. Uh, they establish a theme, they advertise it, they invite people, they select books so that at the, uh, at the end of the book fair, then the children can come and select a book according, uh, on the theme. And they put on a skit at the beginning and they chose the theme of space exploration. I tried to talk them, no, space explorers. I tried to talk them into space the final frontier. But they wouldn't go for it. <laughs> for some reason, they didn't love a whole segment on Star Trek. Yeah. If you're ready, we'll do that next. They didn't go for it. <laughs> so uh, space explorers. And so we went around to all the libraries and we found any book that we could find that was kind of on the theme. And you'd be surprised at how wide a theme that turns out to be because we picked um, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Space Trilogy. Right. Uh, Werner von Braun. Yes, we, uh-huh. well, we didn't have that one in our didn't library, have, yeah. but okay. uh, well, the more we thought about it, we thought, you know, angels are space travelers. Okay. Jesus came from another <laughs> world into our world, so we had Bible, we had, uh, we had a lot of variety there, fiction, uh-huh. nonfiction, it wasn't just a, you know, just mm-hmm. science and math, and the skit that they put on was... One of them played the role of Archimedes, mm-hmm. the mm. ancient Greek yeah. scientist thinker, and the other one um, played the role of King Hero, the patron of Archimedes. And they had a debate there in front of all the fourth through eighth graders assembled in the gym about what's more important: theoretical knowledge or practical knowledge. Really? So Archimedes, and this is based on, you know, what Archimedes really thought and an argument that they really had. Archimedes says, you know, it's the theoretical, the ideas that really matter. Practical, anybody can do that. And heroes saying, no, no, you know, I want something that I can touch. I want something that I can feel. So they set up an experiment to, uh, Archimedes set up an experiment to prove that, that, uh, practical feats were a piece of cake and no big deal. So he had a huge box loaded down with rocks and I don't know what else. He had one of the other Rice students come up and demonstrate that it was very heavy. Ooh, <laughs> picked it up and couldn't pick it up. So Archimedes sets up uh, a lever yeah. with a fulcrum uh-huh. and he says, I, I, I can tell you that I'll, I can lift that with just one hand. And so with the fulcrum place uh-huh. just just so close to the load and everything, mm-hmm. um, he was able to just go and yeah. lift the whole load with one hand. In fact, he even got a little girl from the from the front row and the audience came up. <laughs> wow. And she with one finger goes and lifts the whole big load. And wow. so the, the point the, the that being the proof that if you have the ideas, uh-huh. then the practical knowledge can follow. Yeah. And I just loved the, that they were, the, the audience was engrossed in this very intellectual kind of a right. demonstration, yeah. but that it grew in, in an organic way out of their education. And that it culminated with people excited about taking books right. about the solar system. And right, that's a great, that. that's so, a great illustration. Yeah. I mean, an event that happened 
and they were they were inspired yes to come up with something so interesting and original and that teachers do yes to make it and to create a thirst and a wonder yes. for books mm-hmm. which is what they did with this and this in the meantime the, the students learned something too right. about Archimedes and the hero and yes. the lever and so there was so much in that it was so integrated which is the kind of educator right. you want yes and and so that's that's what this program and now those does. two now those two students are like celebrities on campus wow everywhere they go the kids say well I've uh, what should I read next? And, oh, wow, well, really? So he said, well, how about this? And I said, no, I read that. Oh, so, I love it. You know, reading culture yeah. is taking hold. It's great. Mm-hmm. And I, so you've seen changes in the students in the teacher's college, and you've mm-hmm. seen incredible changes in the students in the school here. Um, how have you changed? I'll tell you. You come here, you get training, it's a job you haven't expected, um, but you come in, you think, oh, I'm going to be hot stuff here, and you arrive here, and you don't know anything. <laughs> and, you know, the problems, I mean, it's a very, it, it's an eye-opening experience. The culture is very different. It's not like going to Europe. I mean, it, it really is. So the first thing that happens is your mind broadens. And then you, you get challenges. Every day, there's a new challenge. I started at the end of the day making a to-do list for what I want to do the next day. I've been here two years. I've never done what's on my to-do list because something <laughs> always comes up. And I've also discovered that, I mean, there, there are a number of challenges you face. You don't know what to do. And you know what? It happens. And you discover that it's not you. Mm-hmm. It's God. Mm-hmm. That's what I've discovered. Yeah. I mean, things happen, and I don't know why they happened. When you visit visit us I come up with a schedule and I, I the last time you all were here one of our other missionaries said this is the best schedule I've ever seen and by the time you all got off the plane it was entirely fiction <laughs> and yet we got everything done oh, that we needed to do and, and this happens over and over so I, I really think it's uh, I mean you know I think you have to be called to come here but I think you learn things that you it's very difficult to learn at home. Yeah, you're right. It's true because you're out of your element. Yeah. You're out of your comfort zone, as they say. And, and here at the village, I mean, you have 400 kids in the school. You've got 60 staff. 80. 80, 80 people here, groundskeepers, security mm-hmm. guards. It's a small town. There's, it's a small, it's a village. Right. You have a generator, a, a well. You have how many buildings here? 30 or 40. 30 or 40 buildings to keep up, 40 acres of land. And operating in a country where most things don't always work well, a dirt road just outside the gate, a dirt road that you go down for about 20 minutes or an hour, depending on the traffic. Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a whole different life in, in some ways. But yet, in another way, you're living in a house here with curtains and a very, some very nice sofas, you know, a keyboard. Yes. And a great kitchen with uh, and and a terracotta tile floors, which I just pretty much we like to make sure our missionaries have decent housing. It's there. you know it it really is. Um, I mean it, it it's challenging. You're busy all the time. Mm-hmm. Every day though, is something new, and if it's really attitude, um, a lot of things happen. But you laugh. We laugh a lot, usually at ourselves. Um, but I mean, I think it's uh, it, it, we're providing you the bang for the buck that you get out of, of whatever little knowledge you have 
is tremendous because the need here is so great. I mean, the, the ch- we have, I can't remember, it's, I think 70% of the population of Uganda is under 30. And half of them are, I think, under 18. I think I've got those numbers right. It's, it's a huge number. The education system can't cope. And although we're a small drop in the bucket, what we're providing, we can you can see those benefits mm-hmm. every day. You're right. You're right. That you know when you've you've got a school system in in most of our uh, African countries with 80 kids in a classroom, limited materials, and untrained teachers. And so what we're trying to do is set a different model and a new system, and we have the materials and the training and the network to hopefully push that out. And that's what I know you're working on here with our church partners to help them adopt this in the schools and we may see that happen a hundred schools a thousand schools right here in uganda adopting this whole education system but michelle how about you how have you changed what i'm constantly surprised by is the the hunger for knowledge and for wisdom and by students coming and and needing needing guidance and needing help and uh it's made me pray more be more careful about what i say because i people are listening (laughs) people are listening to me (laughs) not david's not listening uh you know so I, I feel I feel more of a responsibility uh, in that, and I'm thankful for those opportunities. And so I'm really seeking guidance uh, much more than I was before. There's a much more of a um, of a need, and I just need to be uh, I need God filling me to do all that he's invited me to do mm-hmm. here. I, I was thinking about this from a, a sermon that I heard the other day, that uh, it's really, we're, we, we use this word calling mm-hmm. that sounds kind of technical and maybe a little bit burdensome, like don't call me. <laughs> but it's really, when you think about it as an invitation mm-hmm. into something more that God has for you, mm-hmm. Uh, And so I see it as an extension, something that he has been preparing me for and that he's using the experiences of my earlier life, but also something that's new and uh, gives new opportunities to show his greatness Mm -hmm. uh, to to people who are who who are ready for it, really ready for it. They really are. And I love the way you put that. I think invitation Mm -hmm. is a perfect way to to frame it. Um, well, look, it's getting late here. We're, it's about uh, almost 9 p.m. here in Uganda. And I appreciate David and Michelle uh, Graves from Houston, Texas, who are now in Kampala, Uganda, having been here two years, pretty much leading this Rafiki village here. They're also joined by Amber and Paul Okoff, another missionary couple here, and about 80 African nationals, a great national leadership team, Ugandans who run most of the programs here and our missionary team keep the keep things together beautifully i love uh, david and michelle and, and and delighted i've gotten to get to know them these past couple of years and i hope that by god's grace we can continue to serve together for another couple of years and it is an invitation to get to go to the mission field i do like to tell people that it's not if you have to go it's not if oh lord i guess i will go it's if you get to go, 
Uh, it is an invitation to join the Lord in something wonderful and terrifying at the same time, something that will change you to be more like Christ. Because whenever you're outside your comfort zone, uh, you have to depend on him more. And we can get very comfortable in our lives in America. Things are routine. Things are normal. We know how to make things happen with the push of a button. Out here, that doesn't happen. And and so you pray a lot. I remember coming back from the mission field my first two years, and that's the first thing I told Rosemary Jensen. I said, I really learned how to pray while being overseas in a whole different setting. So Dave and Michelle, I really appreciate you sharing your story, and I hope God uses it to encourage others to go and do likewise and join us. We uh, we could use another, I think, uh, about 20 more. We're, we're ready to welcome yeah. anyone who wants to come. Bring me some cashews with you and you'll be okay. That's great. Yep. Well, if you want to find out more about Rafiki, uh, check out our website, rafikifoundation.org. Uh, and you can find out more about mission service or sponsoring children to our schools. We have a wonderful opportunity for you to sponsor a child to a Rafiki Classical Christian School. Some of the neediest children in the world. Some of the least of these getting the best education in the world. Thanks for listening.